Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. You know what time it is. It's nighttime on the desert. Because the nighttime is the right time to be ready. Because no person, no earthly soul shall know the day, nor shall they know the hour. Nobody but inside traders and the good Lord. Assuming for the sake of argument that there is a good Lord like Thor or somebody, Cali the Destroyer, we'll take an indifferent one, of course. Or a council that's always infighting, like, we hope, the Nine. Do you know about the Nine? Look it up sometime when you are feeling fundamentally open-hearted and optimistic because you are going to need that. We all will. Or something or other, if not the nine. I remember the first time I got a hint of that stuff on the weird old worldwide web of 15 or 20 years ago. All the underground stuff was suddenly all over the place. People who had the books, who knew the texts, who knew each other. And they were now making all these connections public, sort of, and posting them on the blogs. You could get on the blogger system, no webmaster required, and you could just publish your fringe academic papers such as they were right there for any like-minded people to read and comment upon. Mostly with everyone's personal dignity partially intact. It helped if you were half literate and a little bit weird and at least a little bit smart. You were long-winded, no word count limits. Write 10,000 words connecting historical waves of flying saucer sightings with major power outages. Link it all up to the sources that you found. And all of a sudden, a lot of... Clever and half-clever people are realizing the world is far weirder than they were taught in grade school. Or especially graduate school. And if you went to a wizard prep school or whatever and you already know all this, I appreciate your patience. We'll get to the good part. Right now.
No grand conclusions will be necessary here. What is known is that there's something going on. Something a little wilder than usual. I'm not sure why, but it feels different than some of the other times, some of the other odd times, I recall. It almost feels as weird as the 1970s, early 1970s. The world was so weird in that time when I was growing up that I guess I haven't really felt completely at home on this planet since then. Until right about now. Not because of anything in particular going on with the TV shows about the UFOs, which are all based on military and intelligence propaganda which you should never believe the only people who 100% understand that you should never believe anything put out for the public by the military are people who have served they know Years ago, when I was a newspaper reporter at Camp Pendleton, now and then I'd ask somebody about something that came down from on high or from very low in the case of public affairs. And then I'd hear the laughter. It did not matter whether it was a big story or a small one, but if it was on a press release, well, then you might as well read one of those W.E.B. Griffin paperbacks because at least you'll get a good pot boiler with the fiction. It can be a dumb world with many problems, Almost all of them caused by us, the humans. With great smartness comes great dumbness, Luke 17, 6. And it is a beautiful world, the most beautiful one we've got. And we are all idiots here together. Weird animals in the middle of turning into something else, maybe. There's a theory that the gray aliens, as so many people encounter, are actually a hyper-evolved version of our species. The human race. I guess traveling through time to annoy us in our bedrooms for no reason. They've got very big heads to hold their ever bigger brains. And no reproductive organs because it's all done with some sort of centralized dating app. And they've got these big frog fingers because they like to hang on the outside of your bedroom window at night. 
they're just no good. I don't want to end up like that. Eyes like big black dinner plates because they live in terrible darkness on some hell earth. Some hell earth where they don't even remember the Garden of Eden. But we are turning into something, you know that much. Our brains are getting all diced up by remote control. You know, all night long, uh, according to an investigation by the Washington Post, your cell phone is busy, busy, busy sending all the data about your bummer of a day to a bunch of monster databases that then connect your dull misery to a possible product of interest. And then when you get up in the morning and like some sort of lunatic immediately start looking at your miserable demon-controlled phone, well, it starts telling you what products you need, products you need to cover up your personal pain or boredom or whatever it is for a moment. sense of purpose and that's what we need and that's what we never get from looking at a phone talking on a phone wasting time little moments of purpose that's enough as long as they come now and then as long as they're still coming there's a reason to be around That takes work to keep them coming. You've got to go out and call for them. That's sometimes the trouble, but you can do it. You go outside and call the dog at night, don't you? Everybody can hear that. Some of you people go outside and call the cat. Which the cat probably enjoys somewhere out there silently laughing at you. Now, another thing we saw recently in the Washington Post and all the other professional news organizations that at least aim toward a sort of ethics, even if they screw it up half the time from overthinking it, Well, another thing was a story first reported by the New York Times, again by a curious trio of bylines, including a freelancer who mostly writes about UFOs, right there in the front page. And these stories, as well as the recent news that the U.S. Navy is encouraging its pilots and sailors to report what they're seeing up there in the skies... This has got some people kind of riled up. You can get kind of anxious when you hear about things like a spinning top cartoonish UFO that, quote, hung in the sky for days. End quote. 
And you've got entire fleets of mystery craft playing with our finest military hardware like it's a bunch of junk. Do you like flying your F-18, Tom Cruise Jr.? Well, how about if we lead you around like a fool and then we just shoot straight up to 30,000 feet in the blink of your slow human eyes and then maybe we pop out of the ocean 30,000 feet below you. How about that? They've been playing with us for as long as we've been here. They were Foo Fighters in World War II. Seen by fighter pilots on both sides. Both sides saw them. Both assumed they were secret weapons developed by the other side. And now we're hearing the same stuff with these things. It is a very interesting time to be alive. Not that I believe a word that comes out of the alphabet agencies and the Pentagon. I know we're all supposed to be fools, but even a fool knows you never believe a general and you never believe a spy. Spies lie for a living. They don't even have to apologize when they're caught. This is all they do. Spies, in fact, are recruited when they are just babies. After a grandparent or daycare worker calls a special phone number in the back of the phone book. Maybe it's even one of the parents, and they say, Oh, I've got an odd duck over here. No moral compass at all. And so begins the lifelong training of a snitch. Is there something really happening, or is this just another moment of great cultural and political and spiritual dissatisfaction? A time of growing dread and fewer options. Growing dread with it seems nothing but dead ends everywhere, the place of dead roads. only looks that way. They only want you to see it that way. We do need to be wary. We do need to remember that we got into this mess and we can sure get out of it. It's going to mean a lot of misbehaving soon, which is always fun as long as you're not mean about it. As Gandhi said, punch up not down. Now, Ronald Reagan was a deeply weird individual. Everybody can agree at least on that point. And 
one thing Reagan loved to talk about when addressing the UN or making nuke deals with the Soviets or really just talking to anybody who would listen is that when the space aliens came, we would all put aside our differences here on Earth and destroy the space aliens. Kill them all. It's kind of beautiful in a World War II sort of comic book, psychopathic way. I don't even believe in aliens, which does seem to surprise some people. It's an interesting subject, and I even used to run SETI for home on my home computer back in the 1990s, I think. Back when computer processing power was costly, and it was easier to spread out the chore of going through all these recordings from the radio telescopes, trying to find some alien message in there. That seemed kind of nice at the time. But so far, despite a lot of baloney, a lot of double features with shining silver saucers and big-headed space monsters from the costume department, we don't have any evidence for outer space monsters visiting Earth a couple of thousand times per night all over the planet all the time, sometimes staying right in some backwoods corner of eastern, eastern Kentucky, Kentucky or, or rural, rural France, France, even though the world is spinning and orbiting a star, which is itself moving at tremendous speed through the galaxy, through the universe. Maybe UFOs are just like those people trying to find a cheap place to park their RV for a couple more nights. Or maybe, like, every serious UFO researcher eventually concludes, whatever they are has always been here, is part of Earth, part of our planet. Maybe they're leftover gods. Maybe they're holographic robots. Maybe they are residue from mistakes made in time travel, dimensional transitions. Maybe they are animals of some kind, semi-intelligent, mostly instinctual animals like us. A few skills, a few brain cells capable of thought, but mostly just globs of nerves and nervousness. If you've read the latest Desert Oracle, then you're already going to know about the situation in the sheds over in Marfa at the more or less new home of our guest here on Desert Oracle Radio, Rachel Monroe, and we will get to that, to the mutilated dolls. Rachel Monroe writes for The New Yorker and Texas Monthly and The Atlantic and Outside Magazine, all good But what's even better is the kind of stuff she writes for those publications. Stories about brand influencers living in vans for Instagram. The FBI, the National Park Service. Murderers in the Texas desert. People who fall in love with serial killers. All the stuff we love here. So welcome, Rachel, to the program. Thank you. I'm happy to be on the program. Can you tell us, without giving away the best part, of which there are many, a little bit about the piece you have in the new Oracle? Well, 
I guess it began when I became a property owner, which is still a new and strange thing for me. Been living in Marfa for about seven years now and finally got it together to buy a house, but the only house I could afford was sort of a shack. I mean, it has a roof now, which is very exciting. Congratulations. Um, But it didn't always. And when I bought it, it had all these sheds on the property and I had been just so freaked out by the home buying process that I hadn't really fully explored the house and all of its just things around it and then when I went to peek in those sheds there was just all sorts of weird things including bowling balls, I have a bowling ball now and uh, like a old timey rocking horse but then there were also these dolls your friends (laughs) I think we're friends now, I feel really fond of them, yeah this one particular shed which is the sturdiest of all the sheds. It looks like you could maybe keep a goat, maybe some goats in it or something. It has like a big heavy door. And then on the inside, there are these Barbie dolls that somebody has tortured. One of them has, it's just like her legs are cut off and then her breasts are like, looks like somebody took a lighter and tried to burn them. So they're kind of melted and charred in that way that plastic gets. A couple of them are just like variously dismembered or they were like poked with something. There's like a lot of little poke holes and they're just nailed it to the walls all over this shed in the backyard of my new house, which I found right after clothing. So this was kind of your was this your inspection or your post? No, no, it was after that. It was after that. I. Uh, it was like once it was all, the papers were signed. It was like my house was way too late to go back. It's, it almost feels like they had waited to reveal themselves until, until it was already a done deal. And once they did, this led you on a... <laughs> Uh, a special nighttime research rabbit hole and it turns out that you're not the first one to find it a little weird to have a bunch of chopped up Barbie dolls on a property. Well, yeah, I mean because as soon as I started telling people about it, they were like, oh clearly it's either a current or soon to be serial killer who else would you know, torture dolls in these elaborate ways and ha- hang them up with like little nooses and stuff. And so I was just Googling around. I feel like that's a trope from TV and stuff, you know, tortured dolls in the killer's house or something. And so I did end up finding these news stories about a guy um, who, like, a a house had all these, all the headlines were like, House of Horrors, about this police investigation into this house after this man had died. And it was all about the, the... you know, he had been suspected of child murder, and then they went into his house and found mutilated dolls and other other things that were, like, vaguely creepy, but not only if you sort of listed them together. You think, like, oh, my God, yeah, like a child murderer with murdered dolls? That's terrible. But then I started looking more into those news stories, and this guy was totally not a child murderer, at least in any sort of 
legal sense. Basically, there was a neighborhood, a man who lived in the neighborhood who had known this older man who he accused, who was, I think, a local coach, of molesting him, but not just molesting him. Or I don't think he even accused him of molesting him. He accused him of, uh, he the, when he was a boy, the accuser said, he like went out into the woods and saw this man sacrificing children just in a, in these horrific ridiculous ways and that after he killed a child he would put a stone on this giant pyramid of stones that were out there in the woods and each stone represented a child that he had right, murdered right right it was like uh, Genghis Khan making the pyramids of skulls exactly exactly it's a good way to keep track you know better than tally marks I guess and so this kid at least in his memory you know like sees this and the the older man the coach guy is like if you tell anybody I'll kill you and you know put another rock on this pyramid it'll be your rock and so he, he flees home and never tells anybody about it ever again grows into a slightly troubled adult at some point goes to therapy has repressed all of this for years and years and years goes to therapy and under I can't remember if it's hypnosis or just like some sort of you know regressive therapy remembers this experience he had as a child about witnessing child murder and this elaborate ritual that this that his neighbor had uh-huh but this was not oh i'm watching a sheriff pull up to my recording studio right now oh, off the oh really apparently they were just turning around it's a good random place mm. in the desert to turn around hmm so this house that you're talking about this is not the house you moved into no, no, this is this other, this is a different Barbie, a different Barbie killer house. But it, to me, it was just a story about how, it's like a vaguely creepy thing, right? These dolls, but I don't know, don't we all kind of torture and mutilate dolls? Isn't that sort of what they're asking for? And that's what I usually do to relax, but <laughs> now you're not a Marfa right now, is that correct? No, I am, I am between Wimberley and Fredericksburg, Texas. So you're on the road. You do a lot of driving, don't you? I do. Yeah. How much true. how much do you love desert driving? Um, I think it's the best. You can let your mind meander, you know? We are going to let you get back on the road, but before, you have to tell us, because I've been seeing it all over social media, you have a book coming out. It's true. I do. On August 20th, it's called Savage Appetites. And it's, I've been calling it meta true crime. It's about four different women who each became obsessed with a crime that didn't happen to her and kind of worked her way into the story for various motivations, some pretty noble, some pretty creepy. And just using that as a way to think about the obsession with true crime. Why is it always like coded as an obsession, whether it's personal or societal? You realize that the problem is much vaster and that the evil is uh, not just this one individual. And so that's why you need another one, right? It's why it's like an obsession, not just an interest, because it's, it's incomplete. I think we get obsessed with things that feel like they're not finished, you know, if it's not like tied off in a nice bow. So you just need more and more and more. So we're preparing in the wrong way for the inevitable breakdown of, of this society. 
Yeah, I mean, the Weimar Republic, like, see how that one ended. That's <laughs> yeah. my optimistic take. This has been Desert Oracle Radio. I'm your host, Ken Lane, and good night from the Voice of the Desert.